in order for a trans person to, to feel like they can bring their entire selves to work, you've got to also take into account a lot of these folks are, are also neurodiverse. Content warnings for this episode include misgendering, anti-trans bigotry, dysphoria, mental health, drug abuse, religion, bullying, and self-harm. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests that lived and have dwelt upon. Today we honor the Coast Salish, the Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabawaki, Balagwiti, and Muskogee, the Coast Salish and Nisqually, Tonga. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender-diverse people about their special interests. Hi, I'm Gendermaster, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender-diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories. I identify as non-binary, transmasculine, polyamorous, ADHD, autistic, and disabled, chronic pain, and mobility issues. I also am white and reside in the United States. I identify as trans-feminine, neurodivergent, queer, and a person of color residing in Canada. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're genitiverse, you are genitiverse. There's no social or medical prerequisite to be included in the community. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. Um, for those just tuning in, this is the genderful special episode about being trans at work. Um, we have a panel discussion today. It is also the live recording is happening on November 6th. So it is job action day. And um, this may actually end up being a part two in the recorded edited versions. So welcome to part two, I guess. <laughs> we had so much fun info dumping. We had to make two episodes. Ta-da! <laughs> it's happened maybe twice that I can remember on Genderful before. So anyways, um, so welcome back to my wonderful guest, Tofi They Them, who is a senior data analyst, Trans Capybara, she, her, who is a senior principal software engineer, Gabby M, They Them, who is a creative consultant and strategist in the advertising realm, and Miranda, she, her, also known as NASATEC, who is not only my co-host on Genderful, but is also an economist with the government of Canada. I am Gender Master, my pronouns are They Them, and I am your host today. And many days of the Genderful Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Tofi's having a conversation with the cat. It's great. Yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> He's over here screaming his little head off. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Oh, Is that tofu or another cat? Tofu? Okay. Great. Love it. Yeah, tofu. Tofu. Leonard is very kindly sleeping. Great. He's the old man. Good job, Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Tofu's being a little hecker. Yeah, this, yeah. This is like, the way. The hectic toddler that just screams and runs around twenty four seven. Like having a child. It is. Speaking <laughs> of hickers, I, I was in the store and saw a checkers board and I'm like, oh, if you just cover the C, that's hackers. <laughs> hackers at a store near you. 
Um, we do we do have a stretch and hydrate reminders from the chat. Thank you, Pluto, for reminding us oh, to take care of our bodies. Yeah. Let's do a little grip stretch. <laughs> Excellent. So for those of you who have had to come out at work more than once, um, what was that like for you? How did it compare to your initial coming out? And, you know, is there anything else you want to share about that experience? I'm currently in it. So it's yeah. been interesting. Um, I got a lot of ideas from the other panelists on what else to recommend to nice. um, That's great. my company. But um, I'd say where I'm at, um, or I guess kind of the, fir the first time coming out, I feel like I had already been out as queer for many years right it, it almost feels to me like okay like not necessarily that I'm starting from scratch but I'm it's like I'm learning to ride a different kind of bicycle after learning mm. how to ride a bicycle like maybe you're, it's, you're also an avid cyclist <laughs> in yeah. your life <laughs> yeah so so I'm like okay how do e-bikes work what's happening <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> Uh, or even like a scooter, like a different two wheel, like a Vespa. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I'm sitting down now. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and like some some things, like some discomforts, I like remind myself, like I ha I had this the first go around. Like I just have to get used to the kind of the re coming out every day. It's just a addition, a different type of coming out that I'm used to. Um, and now. I'm at the point where my, with my work friends, my work friends are my allies. Like mm -hmm. where, like the, the example I gave where a co coworker kind of said, oh, you know, I, I saw what you're doing and, you know, now they're kind of advocating for me and being allies in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and even just being comfortable, like reminding a coworker, like, oh, my pronouns are they them. Um, but then it's also like choosing my battles. I don't always have all the spoons to go and say, actually, yeah. my pronouns are they, them. Like there, there are just days where I'm, it's like, it, it, we're fine. Like I'm fine. I, I don't, don't have the spoons right now to like address and probably have a lot of it needs to be with someone at work. Um, but trying just trying to kind of navigate those and remind myself that, you know, it's just for me personally, it's a muscle. Like mm -hmm. I treat it as like a muscle. I just have to slowly work on it every day. Um, but then also being in kind of like in a leadership position, um, participating in panel like this or kind of just networking and learning from others, what has worked for you to bring yeah. to my own company or even, you know, bring to my team bring to my boss, bring to other team leads, and then bring it to the company as a whole. But it's, you know, taking it one day at a time as I can, one pedal at a time. Nice. Has anyone else had to come out more than once? I mean, I, I basically, I kind of talked about it earlier. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this in the future and you're only listening to part two for some reason, then uh, go back to part one. Or talk <laughs> about having to come out more than once. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the quick summary is that I came out when we were all working from home before we had to return to office. So it was only really my division that knew. Um, and then now that I'm 
back at the office, I'm having to, you know, be there and present the way I present now. And, and, um, so there's people that may not necessarily work with, but I may have known. So just like, just a super quick anecdote. Um, I was, you know, just sitting in my office and you know, drinking my coffee and somebody walks by and they kind of like did a double take and recognize me. And, mm. and they were like trying to figure out like where they knew me from. Um, and it's like, I know like, I kind of make eye contact. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know each other. We were in a course together. It's <laughs> like this, someone I was actually like on a team with during like a workplace course. And it's like, yeah, it's like, he's like, what's your name again? It's like, well, it's Miranda now. <laughs> so we ended up chatting for, you know, a good half an hour, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to have a bunch of conversations like that of like, because I work in such a large organization that people that I may have like crossed paths with at some point, like years ago, that's uh will see me and then they may or may not recognize me because I look very different and I sound very different and I dress very different so yeah um yeah so it's you never come out just once it's you're coming out over and over and over so it's true yeah yeah I've got something similar to that where uh so a researcher who I loved she was the first person I ever worked with at the company um, on a project, like on a really large project where I was doing a lot of work and constantly talking to her over like literally multiple times a day. She ended up leaving whenever I was still under my dead name and identifying as a cis woman. She came back two years later and I was like, oh my gosh, hey, like under the new name, under the new pronouns, with the new handle, like everything. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited you're back. I'm so excited to work with you again. And she was like, who are you? <laughs> she was like, I don't know who you are. I'm so sorry. And I was like, yes. It was so funny. I had to be like, well, you know, we worked on this project. I was a whole different persona back then. It's like things like that. It's it's hilarious. I love it. So <clears> this <throat> this second, Cappy, did you have something to share? Oh, well, I'm trying to navigate coming out as autistic at work, actually. <laughs> mm, let's hear about that. So uh, um, that's a hard one, actually. Uh, I am. Uh, I don't know how to navigate that. I've been trying to like join the ERGs that uh, are aligned with that whole, you know, that whole community of folks and, and trying to like reach out to people and, and see like how they may have navigated the, themselves. And a lot of people are just, um, they, you know, ask for accommodations, but they don't actually say like why. Um, and at my workplace, you don't have to say why. And I think that's great. And so I have been asking for accommodations in that way. So um, there's like special software that you can get to um, understand people's voices better. There's software out there that will um, allow you to navigate uh, things with your voice if you are you know, not very good at typing or, you know, just... Uh, you know, things of that nature, there's assistive technologies, essentially. Uh, so I'm trying to go down that road of self-advocation, you know, of uh, trying to figure out, like, how I can be supported in that way. And it's uh, it's taken me, you know, somewhere, but I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever come out as autistic at work without a lot of um, assurances that I'm not going to be like immediately put on some sort of a list to be fired the next go round. So uh, I'm not a fan of worrying about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was a point I tried to bring up 
at the conference I went to uh, that, you know, in order for a trans person to, to feel like they can bring their entire selves to work, you've got to, you've got to also take into account a lot of these folks are also gender are, are also neurodiverse. Yeah. And so you've got to support the intersectionality of it all. Uh, you know, on top of everything else that's intersectional about them. So like there's, there's a more holistic picture needed to take into account here. You can't just ask someone to come out at work and then hide that the fact that they're, they have ADHD and, and are autistic. It's not realistic. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I'm still navigating that. I don't really have a, you know, a good answer for it, but, uh, just know that that, that particular interaction does exist and there's people that struggle with it like me. So, yeah. Yeah. To piggyback off that, like as I'm learning and like learning to unmask as well, something that I've been trying to get better at with is like telling people how best to communicate with me that way. I'm not like explicitly saying like, Oh, I'm autistic or oh, I'm neurodivergent because just having those labels can really negatively affect you, unfortunately. And like, because rip our whole society, right screw everything um <laughs> but I try to frame it in a way to where like if you know you know but like for people who maybe not be like who aren't like as tuned in like I tell them I've got like audio processing issues where like I very much communicate really well with very direct language and very much via like emails like do not cold call me I will cry <laughs> if my mm, day is thrown off that's by someone calling me I've had like senior VPs at this company call me before and I'm like y'all gotta stop doing that like no because this it just throws everything out of the window Um, or I'll like explicitly block time off my calendar because I know that for me I need to have structure to where every day when I get in I have to make my well when I get in I work remotely like I know that I have to have my coffee and I have to take my medication and then I have to like go through all my emails before I can start working on things because I need that kind of structure in order for my day to actually go well, which, you know, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you know, you're lucky. Um, And so I've tried to, you know, ensure to like block off my calendar during the morning times for like a good like hour if I can and like try to tell people, you know, like, please don't schedule meetings from like before 9am. Otherwise, like, uh, in my brain, I'm like, otherwise, it's gonna throw off my entire day. But I don't tell them that I'm like, oh, it's just really early, you know, the cats are getting up, you know, blame it on the pets. Um, so I try to like, get around it that way. And that's been really helpful um, to make sure that I actually have that structured schedule time that way, I can work productively as a normal human being that they need in this crappy capitalistic society. Yeah, yeah that's inter- uh... interesting. Yeah, no, the the whole like neurodivergence component is, I mean, so I work in a very um, collegiate environment. A lot of academics uh, are, are the t- tends to be people that I work with. So um, neurodivergence is, I would say, is fairly rampant in my, or- in my organization. Um, but even that being said, uh, so stuff like, you know, like early morning meetings, like totally 100%, I'm with you there never ever book me for a meeting before 10 30. I'm just, I'm just like, no hard pass. But like, I feel like nobody else in my organization wants to have early morning meetings or the late afternoon meetings. Like we're all lazy public servants, you know, quote unquote, um, everyone goes home at three. Like no one's booking me for a four o'clock meeting. <laughs> um, but that being said, like, um, you know, when I was coming back to work and I was, you know, asking for accommodations, I was like, hey, like, I need like my own private office. 
so um i ended up um I ended up having to like negotiate down to just like a permanent assigned office because uh, because, yeah, I mean, I also have like sensory overload problems. I need like, you know, working in an open office is like really hard for me and like just constant mm-hmm. distractions and stuff like that. And, you know, I asked for like, you know, a private office and, you know, there, I got a lot of hemming and hawing. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we need a doctor's note and we need blah, blah, blah. And we have to go. I'm just like, you know, long story short, I didn't want to go through all that. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what, I will deal with it for now. And if I find that it's not working for me, then I can go through, you know, all the, all the steps to do, jump through all the hoops that they want me to jump through. But yeah. uh, so far it's been fine. Uh, the office they gave me is actually really good. So good. <laughs> I have a nice corner office with a very nice view. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. Just asking for accommodations. It's like, you're going to be asked for doctor's note sometimes. And when mm-hmm. you have to give a doctor's note, that kind of outs what kind of condition you have. And you may have to disclose more information than you're personally comfortable with. And I'm sure this is something we'll get into later in our discussion uh, with healthcare at work. But yeah, I've had mm-hmm. to disclose a lot of things to my insurer that's we're well at above and beyond what was what's necessary. So, um, but yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it's tough. That's that's my very long-winded way of saying it's tough. Um, that's a great a great transition into our next question, which is, what is it like navigating healthcare at work? Is your gender-affirming care, if you have or plan to seek it, covered? You know, what is it? What is it like? And we can talk more about more than just being trans. We can talk about, and I'm using trans expansively to be all the mm-hmm. genders that are not cis, um, but not only trans care, but also you know neurospicy related things or other, right? Like often there there is a fairly high comorbidity between being gender diverse and being neurodivergent. And there's also a fairly high comorbidity between being neurodivergent and being CPTSD <laughs> because the world is not shaped for people who are neurospicy and not cis. And so um, it is, there are often thousands of micro traumas that pile up and cause PTSD or CPTSD. And I'm not saying anyone here is disclosing that they may or may not be those things. <laughs> just mm-hmm. to be clear, I'm just saying there's a trend. And so, you know, within your level of comfort in a public forum, you know, what what has it been like for you to navigate healthcare at work? And, you know, maybe if you have recommendations of how to make it better, because I definitely know, you know, Cappy and I are on the same health insurance, so I have my own opinions about how our healthcare coverage could be better. But um, yeah, just that sort of topic. And we'll do popcorn again, and anyone can answer in whatever order you feel comfortable. I can jump in. I'm kind of in the thick of the research. Um, mm-hmm. And like feeling luck- lucky and grateful that I like have support of a therapist and a primary care doctor who like no questions asked like immediately you know whatever referrals I need um but even even having that support still has its challenges in the sense that like all the paperwork is there's no guidance of like do this do that do this thankfully there are um uh, other resources through 
friends who've gone through the process that has been kind of like the you know like to me what's been really helpful for me but if I didn't have that it it would probably still take me even longer um but yeah I'm in the process right now and it's like even like going through the health insurance broker like just seems like a giant mountain to climb um but yeah, just trying to lean into the resources I do have and we'll see how it goes. I'd say too, and um, not quite part of the question, but um, also just thinking through like what my social transition is going to be for being non-binary, having top surgery, for example, but not necessarily home hormone, uh, uh, hormone transition. Um, at least for right now in my current plans. So then kind of then bringing that to work, knowing that I'll look different for sure to my coworkers, but then not necessarily knowing um, what else does that mean for me? Because their preconceived notions of trans is very different than what I'm going through. And so one thing, for example, that is in the back of my mind from time to time is um, the floor where I work, it's split. There's my company on one side of the floor and another company on the other side. So the bathrooms are for both companies and they're both cis bathrooms. So that'll probably be a conversation when I present more masks and how to navigate that. So another follow-up journey <laughs> branch. Yeah um for another time what about yeah, others how's it been navigating healthcare at work i can go um yeah so i am on hrt i've been on a low dose of tgel since 2022 august um and thankfully that was fairly simple because i do informed consent which means like they just you know read off the instruction and say like make sure that they know like that i know everything that kind of goes into it what things are going to change things like that um, so I don't need a therapist letter or like, you know, approval from anyone in order to get on it. So that was really, really nice. Um, fun thing is that we are changing our healthcare plan at the beginning of this upcoming year. And so it's, I feel like a lot of folks, especially who do healthcare plans, do not realize how stressful that is. Like, we have been working on going through all the new documentation, which we don't even have the, like we had to enroll for benefits this week. Um, and we don't even have the document, like the plan summaries where we don't have them for another couple of weeks. So we're sitting here enrolling in benefits for an entire year, not knowing what's going to be covered. And they keep telling us it's going to be exactly the same. Don't worry. You're going to have all the coverage. But the thing is we had to fight really hard two years ago to get quote-unquote cosmetic surgeries and cosmetic procedures for transgender folks like yeah. accepted into our healthcare plan and right now on all of the online documents that this other this new healthcare plan has says that they do not cover them and so we're sitting here trying to like actively fight against that but we can't like literally can't do anything um until we get the healthcare plans and by then it might be too late. So like, it's, it's been really stressful <laughs> and even, um, and even like 
having some of those, like even in the, like the little languages used, like you have to be like a lawyer sit like sifting through these plans because yeah. one one person, um, one of my one of one of one of the people, one of the trans folks who um, confides in me a lot at work, um, uh, his wife has been getting like a lot of trans like things done and these insurance people have no clue what's covered y'all like they have no freaking idea what is in these healthcare plans and the amount of times that yeah it's wild like the amount of times that they've had to sit there for hours educating these insurance people of like hey this is covered if you read over our documentation plans like 17 times it's literally right there and like it takes so long to get approved for a lot of these and it's so stressful because you know, it's already a really stressful thing having to go through and like get surgeries or get procedures done. And the fact that a lot of our insurance people who are supposed to be helping us have no idea what is also covered is so stressful. And even like HR folks who are creating these policies and creating these healthcare plans, like we have had to go through and tell them explicitly, like, this is the language that we need. Otherwise you are going to like completely exclude these services and they're like, and like, they don't understand because they haven't had to go through this. They haven't had loved ones who've had to like go through and fight these insurance companies. And it's, it's just such a difficult thing. And it's a very like particular thing too, like language for, you know, procedures such as versus procedures, two completely separate connotations. Like one of them includes specific procedures, one of them doesn't. And so even just like little language changes that most people don't pick up on, like we need to like hardcore search through our documents and have them in there because otherwise people just get denied and people don't realize how much they're allowed to fight for the procedures either because you know know, that you get told no because these people think that you're not supposed to get it covered and then if you fight hard enough they will cover it but most people don't know that you can fight for it so like there's just so much like background knowledge you need to even start getting healthcare and it's 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 so stressful it's so stressful yes yes and it's it's like a lot of people just decide that it's just like not worth their time to fight for it so this is something that oh boy do I have some personal experience with this one (laughs) so uh being the only Canadian on this panel my experience is going to be uh quite different from uh everyone else here because we have our you know public um uh oh my god my brain just stopped working for a second there <laughs> your your health insurance we have our public is public yeah uh which is fine um it covers a lot of things there's certain things it doesn't cover so that's why we have also we also have health insurance so uh in my case things like um if i, I want to go hrt i don't go through my health insurance i i I go to my family doctor. I say, hey, I'm trans. I would like to go on HRT, please. And then they send me to an endocrinologist and I get a prescription. And the drugs that I pay for, um, those are partially covered through my health insurance. They are not covered through um, they are not covered through our public health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of like, say, trans affirming care that I have had to pay out of pocket for because it's either not covered or as I was saying before, it is you have to fight so hard for it that it's not even worth your time. So for instance, um, our, so electrolysis is supposed to be paid for in, in our, in our, in our like uh, health insurance. Uh, it's paid for at a very, very small amount. It's like $20 per session, which is just like 
cool. It's like, yeah. And that's but, $20 Canadian. And how much is yeah, it per yeah, session so out of like, pocket? That's like, like nothing. 100, that's like 150, you know, 200, 300. Like, it's like, we'll pay 10%. Um, Lol. I fought with the insurance company for six months to get them to pay for it because I am a very stubborn bee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, oh boy. I, when it comes to fighting for stuff like that, I will fight. Um, and it was, it was a nightmare. Um, they were constantly asking me for documentation that didn't exist and they knew they didn't exist. It's like, oh, we need a, we need this like certification. It's like, it's not there. That certification you're looking for doesn't exist. And you know that, mm-hmm. uh, because my electrology living where I live, you know, I live in our nation's capital, my electrologist, a lot of her clients are also public servants. Mm-hmm. So she hears this same rigmarole from all of her clients. And most of her clients decided just not worth their time to fight with the insurance company for months on end to get $20. Um, I am not most people. <laughs> um, I did fight for it and they ended up, they ended up covering it and then they decided not to cover it anymore. Um, and at, at that point I was just like, yeah, you know what, this is, this is not happening. So, uh, so I've had to pay quite a lot of money out of pocket for stuff like that. Um, and there's other things that like insurance doesn't even cover. So like, you know, uh, to laser hair removal for my, you know, my body hair, I had to pay for that out of pocket. So now uh, recent developments is, so if you uh, pay attention to Canadian news, as you should, uh, you may, you may uh, realize that uh, recently our public service switched over to a different insurance company for our public service health plan. And with this new company and this new contract that we signed with them, we're supposed to be getting uh, I believe the figure is $75,000 lifetime coverage for trans for, for gender affirming care. And that doesn't sound been, like enough I, because I know how much it costs in America to have those procedures and your so, FFS is 120,000 us. Like, <laughs> so um, gender affirming surgeries here mm. are covered under the pub under um, our public health care. So like okay. if I wanted to get bottom surgery, it doesn't cost me a dime. However, Great. there is only one clinic in the entire country that does it. That's so though, so as you can up. imagine, the wait list is quite large. And if I didn't want to wait for however long it is, I would have to go out of country years. and pay out of pocket. And so do you get that 75 grand to go out of country or it's only well, in country? So this is, this is part of my rant here is... Uh, since they've taken over, it's been a complete disaster. Uh, yeah. If you Google like Canadian public service health plan, you will find article upon article upon article of like this insurance company dropping the ball on, on just coverage for everybody. Like, uh, yeah. But I emailed them. I was like, hey, it says $75,000 lifetime for gender affirming care. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What do you cover? What can I actually, what can I actually submit claims for? No response. So there's a bunch of things that like I would have to pay out of pocket for that are quite expensive that I honestly have no idea if they will cover it or not. And even stuff that like is now covered under this policy, like electrolysis, for instance, they are dragging their feet. Like I, I submitted a claim for my electrolysis like two months ago and they still haven't done it. So like, it's, it's man, it's, it's hard in this country <laughs> because like, there's a lot of things that we should have on paper in practice are way more complicated and don't actually happen. So like, yes, we have public health insurance. Good luck trying to find a family doctor. Good luck trying to find anything that's like not like life-threatening surgery. You will have to wait months and months and months and months before. 
Um, so it is, I could rant about this for a very long time. It's something that gets me very riled up. Uh, but we have a lot of problems in this country with healthcare and trans-affirming yeah. care is one of those problems. And if you're, I mean, I'm quite fortunate insofar that like I've been able to pay, pay out of pocket for these sorts of things. I have the income to, to, you know, pay for all my trans-affirming care. But for folks that don't, you're basically SOL. Like you can't mm -hmm. get these things done because you can't afford it or you can't find someone to do it for you. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for sharing some Canadian perspective on that, Miranda. Mm -hmm. um, Cappy, do you want to talk about insurance and healthcare stuff, too? So you work uh, at, a, yeah, so, at a tech company, so you have tech company benefits, TM. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also changing our insurer between now and next year. And that makes me so mad. <laughs> Did they just change all of ours? Like they were like all these big ones. I don't like, know. We're just gonna yeah. get rid of it. They just like, like they all like everyone just hated their insurance company and everyone's fed <laughs> yeah. up with it. So they all just shuffled oh around. Oh god, that's so stressful. <laughs> Not realizing Sorry. that they're all basically the same. Uh, yeah. So like the most important <laughs> advice I can give is for every letter that you have your MD, doctor, or therapist, or psychologist, or you know, your neighbor down the street, anyone that wants to advocate that you need gender affirming surgery, have the magic words medically necessary in the letter. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, insurance will be like, well, it's not medically necessary because you don't have it in your letter. So uh, you get to burn one of the you know, denial appeals on just getting that term in there. And you'd rather, uh, you know, to save time, just put it in there at the very beginning. Uh, and uh, just, um, you know, if you've got folks that have written letters, uh, you could give those to your MD doctor, you know, and uh, say, uh, take this letter as a form, just replace the parts that make sense to replace. And, uh, send it in because if you've got a letter that works for an insurance company that's uh that's actually like gotten you the care that you need then the letter was appropriately worded to let the insurance company know that they can't actually like deny you for this thing uh another thing i would like to tell people is that um, insurance companies have maybe three different levels of uh, what's covered for a company so there's like there's like the major insurance companies, like, this is what we cover. And if you go read that and you get to the trans care section, usually like they'll cover the surgery, but like everything else that they consider cosmetic and we don't cover that, but don't stop there because your company has a, uh, usually we'll have like a, um, a summary plan description is what they call this document. So go read the summary plan description, which is the, the thing that kind of goes over the top is like the top layer of like, uh, okay, take that base level document and then here's what we actually do. And then you read through that and that's like gets you a little closer to like what they actually do cover, including a lot of the cosmetic stuff. And then sometimes they'll have in there, what isn't covered, you know, electrolysis. But don't stop there because sometimes there'll be like, you know, state laws that apply to the top of that and say, well, some state laws are, you know, say that you can't deny things that are considered cosmetic like electrolysis. So there might be like an addendum or some sort of like a paper that plays on top of that one that says, 
but actually we do cover electrolysis. Like it's just a lot to navigate. Um, I ended up being pretty much an expert in navigating uh, my insurance company uh, benefits, um, like down to like knowing CPT codes that are covered. And like there's, you know, when I went to get FFS surgery, they, they say like um, they, they sort of were generalizing of uh, uh, surgery, surgeries that correct, you know, facial features, but they never listed the list of CPT codes for it. And then when my surgeon sent in the list of CPT codes, they're like, oh, but we don't cover that. But but actually you do because these, these th procedures don't actually mean anything unless they're, you know, in the guise of this facial feminization surgery. Right. So yeah, you do cover them and you have to get your advocates in, in place. Our workplace has th things called a benefit pro person. They're, they're there to navigate all of this, like, really complex stuff and sometimes you have to tell the benefit pro everything that you know too you have to sometimes educate them too it's really kind of hard uh please lean on your local erg your local trans people that have gone through all the surgeries i personally am one of those people that will tell you everything that happened to me and everything ever and confirm <laughs> yeah everything that can be navigated like I don't have any, like, I will tell you everything, anything you want to ask me, like every trans person at work, like you can ask me any question. It doesn't matter. It, any surgeries, anything like that. Uh, open book because it's so hard to navigate. You need to have someone that knows how they've done it to navigate it all. And, um, and I expect, you know, those that I tell, to you know to their comfort level please pass this forward because i'm not going to be here forever and there needs to be people here that know all this stuff because mm -hmm. the cis yes. people will not retain this stuff they will not and you i know, try to bake be that into to the educate everyone right yeah well it ends up being my job well i mean <laughs> to the point like it's not up to you to individually go to each every single person that has questions and educate them on what everything they could possibly want to know i mean at some point people have to do their own work <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely like mm -hmm. with trans people like i can point them at the resources and then i can tell them like my experiences and i can tell mm -hmm. them you can need to go here and here and here and here and here and you need to reach out to your benefit pro and actually establish them as a person that you uh, interact with on a regular basis and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, pre-warn them. Like if you're going to go for bottom surgery, you need to start on electrolysis right now. And this is how you get it covered. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, and, and maybe they aren't at that point yet, but like, well, if you are going to do it in the future, you might as well just get it done now because it takes about a, a year and a half to two years to actually like get through all of that. Uh, so if you really want bottom surgery in two years, you got to start the electrolysis now. Uh, you know, the things that people should have told me at the beginning. So that's kind of like, there's the navigating the insurance thing, but also it's like the education of the cis people at the work, the trans people at the work, baking that stuff into documents so that like this stuff is codified and like the advice is there and people know where to go. Um and, uh, you know, I was successful. I got, you know, five different surgeries. And uh, 
you know, I uh, am in a position where I'm going to share everything I know as for, for as long as I can. Something that I can share along the lines of health stuff that I wish was different is um, I have been working on getting prior authorization for my bottom surgery, which is through Cappy's health insurance. Um, and like I contacted, I have, I have contacted two different surgeons over the course of 2023. I had my consult in person with the first surgeon. He was totally terrible. And I said, no way am I letting you anywhere near my body with a scalpel. Like, no way. Um, and so my my backup plan surgeon is across the nation. Like, it's it's a five-hour flight. It's not, it's not a casual decision. But I did a ton of research to find someone that I was fairly confident I was going to have a good medical experience with. And so, like, my consult with them is maybe it's either tomorrow. No, it's in December on a Tuesday. I don't remember exactly when, um, but it's, it's coming up. And um, one of my fears is that I'll have that console. I'll be really excited about my surgery. And then with the new insurance in January, they'll be like, Oh, we don't work with that surgeon or, Oh, we don't whatever. And it's like, but I've spent a year on this part. And it's like, mm. you know, if there's one thing I could say to people who make decisions about insurance companies for, for companies, I don't know if that's the CEO or HR or somebody else, like, please don't change who the insurer is unless you absolutely have to, because often the wait list for trans surgeries is multiple years long. And if you get in a three to five to 10 year line for someone, and then your insurance changes out from under you six months before your surgery date, and then you have to start over for three to 10 years, like you are literally going to have employees like, I'm, this is going to sound dramatic, but you're going to have employees that may unalive themselves about it. Yeah. And I'm just being, I'm just being frank and direct right now. It's, I mean, I don't know if I content warning that very well. I, sorry if I just triggered people, but like, it is so hard to wait for the procedures that we need to make our bodies in alignment with our souls and our spirits and our inside selves. And I have watched both myself and my wife get our our surgery countdown reset because of insurance curry for lack of a different way to say it i used our one swear everyone there was That's um, it, no more no more <laughs> <laughs> um and like like i watch capybara have have a a surgery date and then have it get pushed out because of like denials and appeals and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then like, just totally like she was ready for, she was prepared for surgery. She had all of her physical beforehand stuff done, which if you know anything about trans bottom surgery, often there is a hair removal requirement that takes one to two years. So she'd been working towards this goal for a long, long time. And then, you know, due to both COVID and insurance, like, it just kept getting pushed out and it was multiple years more. And so every time you have to switch surgeons, you have to switch insurance. Like it adds years onto timelines because there's such long waits for these surgeries. And so like it's, it's the least compassionate thing you can do for your trans staff is switching insurance companies on us. Like it's, it's not enough to say, Oh, it, the coverage will be the same. Cause we don't know that for sure. And, um, you know, our lives 
in some cases depend on us having these surgeries in a timely fashion because the thought of waiting is is too much to bear for some of us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe part of the, why this is coming up is Trans Day of Remembrance is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. So um, anyway, I will say though that I've had not one but two gender-affirming surgeries with our current health insurance setup. I've had top surgery and... I call it my uterus deleterus, <laughs> which is not all of the bottom surgeries, but it is a good precursor because it means my body's not putting estrogen in my body that makes my brain go, everything is wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I'm very grateful um, for the access to care that I've had because I know not a lot of people have it um, or not enough or not covered enough. And that's why we do all the mutual aid events that we do. Come to the big trans holiday special in December, everybody. <laughs> um but yeah, this, I mean, we could have an entire panel just about this one topic. So I think I will, oh, yeah. I will help us move along to the next question. Thanks for listening to my feelings. Um, earlier, <laughs> I'm always here to listen to your feelings. Oh, thanks, Miranda. Um, earlier, some of you mentioned workplace resource groups. So maybe we could spend some time talking about those, what they are, how are they effective? What do they look like? Um yeah. So do any of you participate in workplace research groups or ERGs um, for LGBTQ plus employees and what have been some of the benefits of joining those groups? And I guess I can start. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I've talked about this a few times before, but I'm involved with the uh, positive space initiative throughout the uh, federal public service. And uh, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I actually, so before I cracked my egg, I gave a whole presentation about gender to my entire division of like almost a hundred people, uh, for which I actually was recognized and got an award for. So <laughs> I was like, looking back, it's like, hmm, why was I oddly so fixated on trans issues? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, a lot of it is just kind of, um, just kind of doing the basic trans one-on-one education for, for, for employees. But uh, what I find most rewarding about it is, is helping other trans employees with their workplace transitions. And, um, and I mean, I, we, like we've done training sessions and stuff like that. And those are, those are also great. Um, and yeah, I wish kind of, um, if anything, I wish there was like more awareness of like who we are and what we do because, um, it's kind of like all the queers kind of flock to it, but all the cishets kind of have are completely oblivious to it. So it's just like, hey, it's like this exists. Like <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's something I've you know um, I don't spend a ton of time on, but I wish there was more opportunity to to do more with it because it is it is valuable work. It's rewarding work. In fact, I'm looking to do like a lateral move at my work where I can do more stuff like that. Um, so. Because, you know, pushing the buttons in Excel to do the finance stuff is, that's fine. But <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather work on gender stuff because that's more, something I'm more passionate about. I can go next. Um, yeah, so I definitely, I didn't get involved, I don't think, in the Pride ARG, um, Pride Employee Resource Group, uh, or the Trans Inclusion Committee. I think until like six or seven months into it, mainly because I didn't know that it existed. They don't really, again, like, like. Miranda just said like they just didn't really um what's the word not support it uh tell people about it there's a word for mm -hmm. that they didn't really tell people about it um like it was really hard to find unless you very specifically knew someone who was in it um or you like happened to come across you know 
an email, which never happens because you have to like select into the email list serves, which you don't know about unless you know about the, the, the group. Um, mm-hmm. So they did a really bad job at like advertising. That's the word. They did a crap mm-hmm. job at advertising any of the ERGs, which is very, very sad because I think that they're fantastic, um, depending on how your company uses it. So I uh, was the lead of the trans inclusion committee for a while, for like a year or so. And then I became the lead of the Pride ERG and the trans inclusion subcommittee is like a subcommittee of the Pride ERG, but they focus specifically on trans identity, gender identity, things like that. Whereas the LGBTQIA plus um, Pride ERG focuses more on just like overall, you know, queer identity. Um, so very similar, like they they do very similar things in terms of um, what we work on, you know, events, um, community building, things like that. But something that's been really nice is that we you know, thankfully got an executive sponsor because you have to have a high up executive sponsor of all the ERGs. And he is a very high up white man, which means that we have been getting a lot of things pushed, my friends. (laughs) We've been getting so many policies updated. That's been so nice because he is gung ho. Uh, He's also queer, but like he is gung ho on like, you know, he doesn't know every, like, none of none of us are going to know everything that every single person in our community needs. So he has been such a great resource and being like, if we bring something to him, for example, our bereavement policy um, did not include chosen family, which was real crappy and people were getting denied bereavement leave, which is real crappy um, for people that didn't quote unquote count as family members. And so we were able to loop him in and fixed that. That way now folks are able to get that, which is a huge, huge, huge win, I think, for not even just the queer community, but any marginalized community. Like a lot of people of color, like our communities have chosen family and it's it's not specifically a queer thing. Um, So like things like that, being able to push so many policies, like we have updated, we've updated so many things and created so many educational resources and we recently created a uh, gender transition guidelines document because when I came out and I transitioned at work, um, there was literally nothing. Like everything we had was all about like legal name changes, how to change your legal name at work, how to do all these things. And we had like nothing for trans people, nothing for like preferred name changes, um, which isn't even like a trans person thing. You know, there's a lot of people who use nicknames at work and they had no idea how to change their nickname because they just might have really not liked their um, their name. And so we created that and finally like sent that out. And it's been such a huge, like, I don't know, it's just, it's just been such a nice resource for folks. Um, whenever we pushed it out, we had a lot, like dozens of people like messaging us saying like, thank you for this, because, you know, maybe they were thinking about going through it and like, didn't know how to do it. Cause no one tells them, especially in a weird corporate setting where most people are cishets, <laughs> cishet white people. Um, and so just being able to have a space where we can actively work on things by our community for our community is super, super helpful, especially when you're getting paid to do it. Don't make people in the community do it for free. Give us, give us charge codes, give us the monies to do this stuff because otherwise that's crappy of you to do corporations. Mm-hmm. Mid. Sorry, that was a big rant. It's okay. Part two is just rant the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants um, to rant next? I mean, go next. <laughs> um, so this is really helpful to hear 
um, how's it been going for y'all? Um, my company's just starting up like specific ERGs. Um, we have had a very informal um, kind of DEI group. People would meet up and then it kind of turned into our company just putting together events uh, every month or something. Um, and so I'm kind of, uh, I've mentioned before, but this has given me a lot of info of kind of what to bring bring back to my company um, and how it can be an actual resource group as opposed to a checkbox of like, we have this. Um, so it's just been really helpful to hear everyone's experiences with ERGs. Um, Cappy, have you shared about ERGs yet? No, um, want to? I am a part of my ERG. Yeah, uh, I am like, a, I'm, you know, a part of the Pride ERG. I'm part of the leadership of the Pride ERG. Um, and uh, I feel like we are doing the good work. You know, it's not uh, it's and it's and it's the meaningful work. And we we are trying to push the bar forward for our own company. Um, and we aren't afraid of speaking up about our community and what we need. And we let people know what, uh, uh, what it means to be, you know, to, to, to be out at work and to bring your whole self to work and also, you know, take what the company says, uh, publicly and kind of turn it back on them. Like, well, if you are so concerned about, you know, uh, you know, the progress of humans on this earth or something, whatever it is, you know, your vision mission statements. Well, here you go. Uh, you can support your trans employees and then you can make money like a good capitalist can. And I, I had this rant, like I had this rant uh, just like earlier with, uh, with Jenny Meowster in the living room, like, or even, I think it maybe even with my son, maybe my son just, my my newly 18 year old son I'm like hey adult let's talk about adult topics now um <laughs> <laughs> uh like yeah i'm i am where i am because uh uh i was a great employee for a startup that this major tech company wanted to buy at one point like directly and then they got outbid and then they had to wait and then swallow an even larger company to get us. So yeah, like uh, I have, um, you know, since I'm like, I have 16 years, years with the company, uh, I've done good work. You bought our company because I basically ran the UI team for a decade. Uh, this is, this is like, the front end of what all your all the customers saw and this is why you you know our company was valued the way it is is because it was great and it i was part of that and uh, i'm trans and autistic and uh if you really want you know to make money like good capitalists do then you'll support your trans employees to help you make money and if they aren't worrying about being trans at work and like navigating that and they they can just like worry about like writing code and innovating and making patents well then it's a pretty much a no-brainer to you know swallow the bile that's in, up in your throat support your trans employees 
pretend that you like it and uh, make money. Hand over fist. That's what you're here for. And if they want to fly me out to the headquarters and have me stand in front of the C- CEOs and the C-suite and the whatevers, you know, I, I grew up on a cattle ranch. I can hold my own. I can stand in front of them and, and say, like, it's pretty much a no-brainer that we all want to make money. And it's pretty much a no-brainer that trans people are at your company to make a difference. So uh, put your money where your mouth is and fund this stuff and show the world that, yeah, you're on the progressive end of things. And uh, if you've got customers that are too conservative to uh, uh, buy your stuff, well, you've got like, you know, three times more uh, progressive companies around the world that will buy your stuff. And so don't worry about those people. Uh, they can uh, buy your, you know, buy the competitor's gear and fail. And you can tell them that. Uh, I'm, I'm spicy and I can get that way. Uh, and you know, this is like, if you want a rant out of me, this is the rant. Like it's a, it's a no brainer. What are you doing? You know, you know what the right side of history is. Just look at how, you know, gay people now can get married and it's no big dang deal. Right. Well, trans people are just like the latest pariah and it's all political. And we all know it. So. Oh, uh, think we lost Cappy. We may have. She's frozen. Rose. She ranted so hard it broke. Broke. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny uh, is we're, we're on the we're, same uh, internet we're connection. We're renaming this podcast uh, Gender Rant. Gender Rant. <laughs> it's a good name. It's a good name. Um, I'll send her a little message right quick. Well, there hey, you are. Back. Hello. Hey. Welcome back. I don't know what happened there. I think I rented so hard my computer like had a meltdown. We I literally know. made the same joke while you were gone. So I'm weird. clipping it because it was funny. <laughs> all of our brains went the same direction. I love it. Yeah. We all share one brain cell. <laughs> we're just yeah, passing, passing it around. I I'm trying to figure out how to smush some of these questions together. Um so some of the things that Cappy was just talking about gets to why is diversity important? So I think I'll bring that question to the forefront next. Um, how are each of your multiple diverse identities a superpower for good in your workplace? Or put another way, why is diversity important? Why do people with different neurotypes and different uh, ethnic and racial backgrounds and different genders and sexualities matter in the workplace may i go first yeah i'll keep it short less ranty um it's so you can sell into different markets i mean essentially uh there's that if you've got a lot of perspectives on uh making products that will appeal to humans in general and uh, you are taking into account the intersectionalities and the the, the needs and especially accessibility needs of folk, you'll end up being in a better place and setting the bar for your competitors to look at the bar and, and think, wow, we really need to like match that. And that is a good thing because that forces everyone else to make products for everybody and not just single you know, able-bodied white people. 
I think Tofi yeah. had something to say also. Let Gabby go. Okay. Gabby, you're up. Tag Gabby. Um, um, yeah. I seconding everything you said, Cappy, and adding, I often talk a lot about, you know, I'm, I know that I'm kind of like person of one. I can't change everyone at my work. But the thing I often mention is like, I'm not just advocating for me and people who may work here tomorrow. Um, but also like our clients are also gonna be somewhere in the gender spectrum, uh, LGBTQ plus IA uh, community. Like it's, it's not just the, oh yeah, you can totally put your pronouns if you want in your signature or whatnot. You're like from a technical level, yes, of course you can do that. But then it comes down to like, but if, other coworkers don't even know what that means, then what's the what's the point? If they don't know what it means, like it ultimately falls on me. So like even just basic level training and understanding, because it's not just gonna start and end within the company, it's gonna continue externally. Um in terms of like superpowers for good, like something I've been using as well is kind of like anytime there's like a, oh, like, you know, there's a diversity panel. I immediately always go to like our comms person. I'm like, I am happy to talk about it if you don't have anyone else for it or like be part of something like, like I am happy to be, um, this probably isn't the right word, but like, that's the space where I'm like, tokenize me. Like I will give me a mic. Like this is, this is the appropriate time to like, tokenize me I want like I want to be able to talk about it and so that's been helping me get kind of more more of a spotlight to be able to advocate for those for these things even if it's taking longer internally like to get certain things in place um because I feel like like one of my goals for example like with advertising which is very like kind of taking off of the the product's uh, topic you were mentioning, uh, Cappy. Um, like my like career goal is to hope to make it to a point where it's like, oh, like we all want to make money, but focusing so much on splitting gender or the gender binary isn't actually making us money. So that's obsolete. That would be my like future goal that I'm putting out into the ether. Um, that. Um, essentially doesn't put so much emphasis on the binary and just um, accepts that it's more than just that, um, that it can be anything. That product should be for humans um, if we're, we're producing products for humans. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, again, because I, I work in the public sector, um, we're not in the business of making money or turning a profit or, or making products or whatever. I mean, we make products, but they're for, you know, public consumption and they're free. So, <laughs> um, so it's, I mean, I have worked in the private sector um, and it's, you know, I worked in nonprofits as well. And it's um, definitely working somewhere where it, the profit motive doesn't really exist. Uh, it only exists in so far that, you know, we have a budget that comes down from the prime minister and you, we have only like certain amount of money we can, we, we can use for, for projects. But beyond that, like we're not making any money. So, 
but uh, in terms of um, using my diverse identities, so there's there's a lot of ways I kind of use those in the workplace. So uh, because I've had what I say is an interesting life because I um, have been many things, I've been many people, and uh, I have a lot of expertise in a lot of diverse subjects that uh, you can throw projects at me that I will I will have something meaningful to contribute to just about any any project, regardless of what subject matter it is, because I have such a diverse array of interests and diverse array of work experience. So um that's like and it's particularly like where like the areas in which I work, the fact that, you know, I worked um for a brokerage house for many years and most people that I work with like basically like came there right out of school and have never worked in the private sector. So um, I have like a lot of unique experience there. That's that's very valuable. But um, in terms of helping out with the diversity, in terms of say uh, supporting you know gender diverse and sexual diverse uh, people in the workplace, I mean, being probably the only queer person that I know in my division, um, I I'm able to see things through a much different lens. So for instance, if we're sending out you know a survey to the public. And we're collecting information about their their sex or their gender. Um, there's there's this has gotten a lot better in recent years, but it wasn't that long ago. Where it's like, why are we first of all why are we collecting this information? Second of all, is this information relevant to like whatever statistical product we want to uh, we want to put out? And do people understand what the difference between sex and gender is? And do we have the ability to put more than just man and woman in there. <laughs> so, and because like for some things like your sex assigned at birth, like if for instance, if it's a health survey and we're trying to measure the incidence of say, you know, prostate cancer, well, we need to know what your sex assigned at birth is for that because we want to get information from people who have prostates, that sort of thing. Uh, but for other things, it's like your time use survey doesn't matter like your your sex assigned at birth doesn't matter for that it's whatever mm -hmm. gender you, you want to, to to identify with so uh it's identifying like stuff like that where it's like you know sex cis that person may not necessarily think about those things but to me okay. that stuff like jumps out immediately so i can you know point out any sort of errors in like survey design or uh like communications or, or anything like that that it's like no we need to update the language on these things so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where i, I yeah, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> it's good. Oh boy, we've been in this conversation for a long time, and I am running out of functioning brain cells. So it's all good. Uh, my ability to stay concise is is just steadily going down. Yeah. Um, I think just piggybacking off everything, everything. Yes to everything everyone else has said, right? And like, you know, a corporate lens. You know, having diversity is important because then you get brownie points and all that. But like also as employees of a business, I know that I feel more comfortable the more trans POC there are, like just on a very internal level as a Chinese transgender person. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm constantly the token who has to do everything because mm -hmm. I am one of 12 trans people at my company and most of the trans people at our company are white. So I am one of very, 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 very little trans people of color at this company, autistic yeah. trans people of color. Um, and so because of that, I feel like I constantly have to be 
the perfect Chinese trans person or just the perfect trans person of color because for like for for most people I'm going to be the only one that they will ever know you know because a lot of people don't get out of the bubbles a lot of people don't you know know a lot of other trans people of color and so I like I feel like I have to represent because of that and that is something that I wish I didn't have to do like I feel like I constantly have to be the person pressuring for HR policies to get updated. I have to constantly be the person who has to educate people. I like, I, I have to, because if I don't, because I am one of few, then I have failed all the other trans people who will ever come into this job. If there are any others, because Mm -hmm. we had a lot of trans people leave whenever I started, because we just didn't have resources for them. And they had really like horrible times to the point where they all just left. And so I think diversity is super important and especially intersectional identities because I, don't, I feel like a lot of us don't want to see that we're the only people there because then it then it feels like we're a token. It feels like we do not belong. It feels like all the company things that we do are not for us because they're not by us. They're not for us. They barely include people who look or sound like us. And so just in, in order to have a safe workplace in general, like I, we need to have more diversity because I'm never going to feel safe in a primarily white cis space. But I need to to survive, because capitalism is the only job that's going to give me the money I need to survive. Yeah. You know? It's a rock and a hard place. Become a public servant like me. (laughs) There you go, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we have about 20 minutes left for stream today. Um, I have two questions left. We have some wrap-up things, so maybe... Two, two minutes each per answered per person, if we can help it. So instead of saying all the things that you wish HR would know, maybe everyone can pick a thing, one thing that you wish that HR or coworkers would know about what it's like to be gender diverse in the workplace. How can companies improve their spaces and make it more trans inclusive? Um, I wanted to slide some things in at the beginning of this answer. So first I wanted to offer a resource. It's nonbinary.wiki forward slash wiki forward slash employment. It's a a website that's um, made in part with one of the Clutter contributors, actually, Juicetex has a has a fairly has played an important role in that existing. And um, if you are working in HR and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start, like maybe start with this website. There's a lot of information on there. Um, it'll also be linked in the show notes in the resources section so you can check that out. Um, I also wanted to say one one sort of phrase when I was listening to Gabby talking a minute ago, um, there is a phrase that became really popular in the 1990s in the disability activism groups about nothing about us without us. And so when we talked about it a lot in the Twitch chat, and I don't know that we have brought it verbally into the conversation. So for the benefit of podcast listeners in the future, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that, you know, it's it's important to have trans people, people of color, disabled people, neurodivergent people in HR, in decision-making positions where we are participating in the creating of the policies that affect people like us. And so as much as possible, um, nothing about us without us. And I just wanted to nod to our, our disability activist ancestors in that and not not forget get to mention that it was their thing that they started. So anyways, um, what is one thing that you wish HR or coworkers knew about being trans in the workplace that, that would make um, the companies more trans inclusive? And we'll go Tofi, Cappy, Gabby, Miranda. I think that 
that we like we're suggesting things because it's going to make things inclusive like I've had many times where I've you know we've suggested things in the ERG and we get shot down because it's like oh but cis people are gonna abuse this like or cis people are gonna make fun of this and I'm just like we're trying to make this more trans inclusive if, if you think that specific cis folks are going to abuse this or like you know do bad things with it then why do you want them at this company in the first place like why are you suppressing our needs because of bad actors that aren't in our community so I just wish that more HR and co-workers knew that you know we're not the ones who are going to abuse these policies it's just making them more equitable for us and it sucks that we can't have them because you all suck yeah that's my short agreed. answer agreed um Cappy uh this whole thing with pronouns is so blown out of proportion for what they are and i i wish that cis people really did understand that i'm not here to shove pronouns down your throat i i'm i'm giving you my pronouns so that i don't get misgendered by you uh and it's you know I don't want you to get it wrong because then I'll call you out in a meeting and say that you're wrong. And I will, because I have. And you don't want that embarrassment, do you? So use the <laughs> pronouns that I give to you. Um, you know, you can put your pronouns or you don't. And if you don't, then I'm going to assume things and uh, you may not like it. And if you don't like it, put your pronouns in, uh, simple. And we don't have to like go on and on like, you know, you know, you know, with this whole rhetoric of pronouns and all this thing. Uh, it's English or whatever language we're we're, you know, speaking here. This is things that you've learned in like seventh grade English. Did you remember seventh grade English and what pronouns are? Do you know what your own pronouns are? I've had to teach people what their own pronouns are. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that I had to give them an English lesson of like, you go by she or he, I'm like, what? Like, if I say the sentence, she walked to the store to buy an ice cream, does that apply to you? I'm like, yes. Then you're she, her. He, okay. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. And uh, like, it's weird. Uh, but uh, I'm just hoping eventually, like maybe in five or six years, that everyone will kind of get the pronouns thing down. I'm hoping. Thanks, Cappy. Gabby, what's one thing you wish HR coworkers knew about being gender diverse? Seconding what everyone else has said. Yeah. Um, partial rant, guys isn't gender neutral. Sure, like, it's that's, not. That's one. <laughs> that's one um but i would say too is and this kind of comes from like when i went went to film class uh one of the exercises they make you do is to count the number of cuts like in a movie or film so i would say what i wish co-workers or hr knew i wish they knew how gendered language is mm. in general at work mm. um uh and ableist and a bunch of other other things that still definitely happen. Um, but I think they'd be surprised at how gendered the language is. Um, 
uh, and also uh, intrusive questions uh, are intrusive. Um, uh, yeah, so again, story behind that for another time, but it's surprising how one small disclosure of pronouns can all of a sudden apparently signal to somebody to ask a lot of intrusive questions in a work setting in yeah. public. It's not like I'm asking other people about how did their how's their cancer treatment going and how how's their recovery from having that baby and how'd your uh, rectum inspection by your doctor go for <laughs> annual? Did your coochie twist back up after that little pap smear? Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're not we're not asking those questions. Stop asking us about our trans surgeries. There is no one the surgery either. <laughs> like, heck off. <laughs> yeah, unless we're friends. Uh, I'm not telling you. It's not your business. So had the proctologist go. How was the anal probe? Mm, did you like your butt camera? <laughs> uh, I have actually, like, I have a funny joke that I like to tell about the whole, like, guys being gender, gender neutral thing. Is like, whenever, like, a cishet guy tries to tell me that the term guy is neutral, I ask them how many guys they've had sex with. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes very ungender neutral at that yes. point. They're like, I think I'm real uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, my version of that, and I'm so sorry. I know you gave us the time. Uh, okay. uh, You're doing great. Um, You're doing great. My response lately to folks who are heavy on the guys, I'll refer to myself. As, I'll use guy singular, and that breaks their whole brain. So I'll, I'll respond by, oh, yeah, like, I find myself as, like, the type of guy that, like, chit chats with their barber. And you see just the <laughs> panic. 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 Who, what, where. <laughs> and then I usually go, like, I have another meeting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, me and the guys are just going to go buy some tampons. It's all of our period at the same time as the moon is yeah. doing what it's doing. Just regular guy stuff. Just guy stuff. <laughs> that needs to be like a Saturday Night Live skit yeah. about guy stuff. It's and right it's here. all not. <laughs> oh, my God. Please send it to me. Uh, I want to watch it. <laughs> Miranda, did you already go? No, uh, I was okay. waiting for a break in the in the shenanigans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I guess my number one thing is um, making sure everyone is actually trained on policies and procedures because it's it's one thing to have um, the stuff on paper, but yeah. it's another thing to actually have people actually aware of it. So, like in my personal case, like when I changed my email, I was told it's like no, it has to be your legal name, and it's like. No, that's not how that works. Uh, you don't have to do a legal name change to change your email. Lots of people don't use their legal names, like even cis people, like lots of people go by their middle names, people get married or, or stuff like that. So it's like just making sure that everyone, both in HR, IT, anyone that has to like work with like updating employee records is actually trained and like is aware of these policies and procedures. I mean, I get that like this is not something that comes up very often, but it should be part of their basic training. I shouldn't like have to explain their jobs to them. All right. So my final question, we've, we've taken a moment to give some advice to potentially any cis people who are listening, who are wanting to be our allies and 
do what they can to help us. Um, but my our final closing question is advice from generative people to generative people. So T for T, if you will. That's actually about <laughs> dating. Don't, don't use that casually. T for T is when you're dating another trans person. Anyways, um, so what advice do you all gainfully employed trans people TM have for um, any generative folks who are trying to land a quote unquote good job? Uh, maybe someone who's trying to apply for work or has a job interview coming up or even is trying to figure out how to come out at work. Um, what maybe what do you wish someone would have told you when you were doing all of that? Um, and each of you gets a piece of advice. Good luck. <laughs> if we want, Gabby can go first. So then you don't have to think of an answer that no one else has said. <laughs> I can go first. Or Gabby. My... Oh, okay. I was going to say Gabby. Oh, okay. Um, really quickly, you don't have to disclose anything. You don't feel comfortable disclosing, period. So especially when you're interviewing, I would say if you're feeling like you're coming from a place of strength and that specific moment, um, if you're feeling it, like the confidence will shine through. Um, and if it's a genuine concern and you're feeling you're coming from a place of strength during the interview process, or even that you do get hired, yay, even asking like what, during your onboarding, like what resources are there for someone like me who identifies as insert here. Um, but I would say, oh, still first piece, still all within one run on sentence piece of advice. If the first person you go to for help minimizes you or negates your experience, go to your next place of support. Um, they might not have the information to help you or the guidance that you're seeking. Um, but don't let that be the end all be all. Um, keep going. I'll, pa I'll pause there. Thanks, Gabby. Um, okay, next is Miranda. Um, I was going to say, uh, we should let Cappy go next because uh, she might have to leave in the next couple minutes here. So. Next is Cappy. I, I seed, I seed my slot to her. <laughs> I see your seed and I raise. Uh, so let's see piece of advice. Um, you don't have to reveal everything. I think that was already said, uh, be the most professional person that you can, but also don't hide your authenticity because, uh, I think it's important that people see who you really are. And if an employer does not uh, acknowledge your authenticity, then move on and pick someone else. Um, and I think that's really important in this day and age to uh, to just be really honest and out, you know, upfront with who you are and show like what you have to offer. And I think you'll come across as like more genuine and more honest. And if if uh, if employers are not looking for that, then this is bad advice. But I think it's good. I think it is good. Um, and you know, as a as a software engineer and as someone that's seen my share of applicants, uh, I go for the ones that are more genuine, are will give honest answers and don't try to like paper over things so I think it really you know it may be context dependent upon like the job that you're going for 
but it's as far as like software engineers, we are looking for technical prowess, honesty, and uh, the ability to um, solve problems and be very like upfront about how you're doing that. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Tofi, do you want to go next? Yeah, yeah. Um, I always feel bad because I always have the opposite advice uh, because I, you know, I think prioritizing your safety is always the first and foremost. And not all of us have the privilege of having like family to fall back to or like money to fall back to. And not everyone can like afford to be out in their authentic self, unfortunately. Um, So I think like maybe like, yes, if you're able to, you know, do it because we want to make sure that you are, you know, your full self, but realizing that that is a privilege that not everyone has. So like mainly just like knowing that it's okay if you cannot be out and knowing that, you know, if if you need to, you know, do what I did and cosplay as a woman for the first year or two in order to actually scope out how good a company is and how willing they are to change. And if you're comfortable with that, and then like, transitioning like into the workplace when you've like you know met trans people there or like know that they're like working on DEI or doing things that you know that like are pushing forward inclusivity um that way you know that you're safe you've got job security you're able to like afford food able to like afford like a a house over your head a roof over your head um like your safety is super important and also adding in on like job applications like if you see on the job thingy that they are very, very, you know, interested in DEI or if you like research their company um, that you're trying to apply to and see that they're super into, you know, DEI making an inclusive environment, add that to your job profile. Be like, mm-hmm. like say that you got ideas and you like, you know, looking over HR policies to make sure that they're more equitable for folks or if like they're going through their, you know, job application and they're not asking for pronouns or asking only for legal names asking during a job interview, being like, hey, have you thought about this? Like in terms of equity, maybe like, have you thought about adding a preferred name slot? That way they know that you can bring something other than like the actual job because they want more, they're greedy. Um, So making sure that you're like, you're able to help push them forward because the company is going to want to exploit you and make sure that you're bringing something, you know, and making them more profitable. And so adding in DEI stuff to your resume and stuff does a, does a lot if the company is committed to it. So, yeah. Thanks, Tofi. Uh, Miranda, what do you want to add? Uh, well, I can give a lot of uh, general advice for, uh, for, you know, job interviews and applying for jobs and stuff like that. Uh, just because um, where I work, the hiring process is very different from, from private sector, but um I mean, I've actually, I've actually done like a one-on-one like job coaching session with one of my friends. So this is something I, I, I know quite a lot about, but uh, when you're, when you're doing your interview, uh, the most important thing is to come off as, you know, comp- uh, confident that, you know, assuming you are the right person for the job, which, you know, you went on this interview thinking that you were the right person for the job, you have to, that energy has to come across. So it's basically like, don't act like, don't beg for the job. You are doing them a favor by allowing them to purchase your labor. So um, you have to kind of give off this energy that like, I'm the best person for this job and you are a fool to not hire me. So um, like you really have to like give off that energy and they will pick up on that. Uh, Of course, make sure you're actually qualified for this job. Uh, You know, don't do that if you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) 
Uh, but if, um, if you're kind of like, uh, younger, like if you're co- just coming out of high school or if you're still in college, you know, depends on the, depend. it very much depends on the type of career you want to go into. So like, if you want to go into something, you know, STEM related, get your degrees, you know, finish your school, do that, stay in school, get good grades, do all your extracurriculars, try to do an internship or a co-op that all that stuff really, really helps. If you're more on the creative side, um, that stuff is le- it's still good like still if you want to if you want to make movies going to film school still a good idea but it's not as necessary so um but uh and yeah network as much as you can um uh, because uh this is absolutely true um getting a job is more about who you know than what you know so mm-hmm. um and if you have any specific questions about getting hired within the Canadian Federal Public Service you know reach out to me privately and I'd, I'd be happy to to give you any help with that Thank you so much, Amanda. Um, for those listening and watching live, I just dropped all of our all of our guests' info in the chat. I'll briefly read through um, our guest cross promo because I think we read it in part one, but now we're in part two. So, Tofi They Them is a queer, non-binary Asian American content creator who loves Shrek and aims to build a community where everyone can exist proudly and safely in their identity. You can connect with Tofi on twitch.tv forward slash Tofilium, which is T-O-F-I-L-I-U-M. Trans Capybara is my wife. She is an arrow ace lesbian trans woman who also serves in a trans advocacy role along with being a professional software engineer for a worldwide tech company. Gabby M. They Them has over 15 years of experience in broadcast and digital production across multiple industries, always focusing on the opportunities of storytelling for different screens and audiences. They currently work in ad technology, leading a global team of creative strategists and interactive video designers. Um, you can connect with Gabby on LinkedIn at G Maestri, M-A-E-S-T-R-E. Sorry if I said it poorly. I'm seeing nods. <laughs> Thumbs up. Okay, thanks. Um, and Miranda, she, her, is a queer trans content creator and ne'er-do-well making videos about whatever her brain is hyper-focusing on at the moment. You can catch her work on youtube.com forward slash at NASATTACK, N-A-S-S-A-T-T-A-C-K. Um, she's also my wonderful co-host on this podcast. So you'll hear from us again. Um, thank you all so much for being here. We now have our, uh, clouder query and each of you, well, most of you have posed a query for the audience. So for those that have written queries, could we go around and have you share them with chat? Yes. Mine is how can you make your space more inclusive for trans employees? Nice. Uh, Gabby. Uh, Using my otherness has helped me get opportunities in my career. How have you used your otherness? Nice. And Cappy. How does your workplace support transgender and gender diverse employees so that they may bring their full self to work? Awesome. Thank you all so much for being here on the panel with me. Um, It has just been a total honor and we could have gone for more hours. I just know it. So thanks for joining me in the uh, the wonderful info dump that is this panel. Um, so folks coming soon next week, our guest is going to be Rafi Marhaba. They them pronounce, and we are discussing art activism and spirituality for community updates. We are going to be observing trans day of remembrance, um, on November 20th on the Twitch channel. So join us at gender master twitch.tv forward slash gender master, um, for trans day of remembrance. If you don't know what that is, uh, Google it. And we also have the last three years of VODs on the YouTube channel, if you want to go see what that kind of has looked like in the past. 
Um, we are also participating in the Trans Holiday Special, which is put on by not only Gender Master, but also Gender Federation and also our trans, our friends of the transverse. Um, so it's going to be a big streamer raid train from December 15th through 17th on Twitch, on various uh, Twitch channels. It is very likely that the schedule will be live on the Gender Federation channel. Um, so you all can check that at any point to find out who's live. But um, our little Gender Master stream on that is going to be on the first day. Um, Momster and I are going to do a tarot reading for the whole next year for 2024. So if you want to show up for that, and then we'll do readings for chat as long as we have time um, before our scheduled raid on the train. So um, if you all would like to come see my mom, who we call Momster, um, mm -hmm. one more one more time this year before we ring in the new year, um, we'll be maybe kicking off, but at least on the very first day of the, the raid train with that. Um, Jennifer would like to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Our newest one is Randa Katita. Thanks, Randa. <laughs> Holly Blash, Winter Vespers, Loch Ness Gamer, Justin Baker Rojas, Yaisio, Ray of Swords, Sherry Keller, Mirami, The Hessian, and Trans Capybara. Thanks for believing in me from the beginning, honey. That's very nice. All right, folks. Trans rights are human rights. Please enjoy our outro. Genderful would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash gendermeowster. Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, The Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist credit. Jennerful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Gender Master. Jennerful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jennerful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Jennerful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Jennerful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Jennerful's social media is managed by Kamesy. Jennerful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gender Master logo was designed by Siptopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Master. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human rights. rights. That's right. right.